You're listening to Deep Cuts with Antoine Reed, episode 60, with special guest Matt Booth from Room 101. Welcome to another exciting episode of Deep Cuts. I'm here today with Matt Booth, who was actually the very first guest on Deep Cuts last year at the start of the pandemic. So it's like we come full circle. <laughs> now we're, we're out, we're at a different point in the pandemic, I guess, and uh, different circumstances. And you're outside and I'm still stuck in my apartment doing this, but. <laughs> now we still... cut even deeper together. Exactly. We go to the it's next deep, level together cut. right now. Exactly. This is the deeper cut, not the deepest. No. That's next year. Then we go you know, all the way I through. Thought, I thought about you the other day because a couple of weeks ago, I was reading 1984. Hmm. And then I don't know why it's never occurred to me. Well, first of all, I've never read 1984. Somehow it's one of those books that we got by without reading in school. So I was doing, uh, I'm on this reading kick this year for those of you who follow on Instagram, you see me probably like once a week, it seems like posting another book that I've read. So um, I wanted to read 1984 because I heard about it, talked about for the last four years and stuff and people, oh, 1984, 1984. This is like 1984. And I was like, I've never read the books. I never, I never got it. So I read it. And then of course, at the end, you get all the room 101 stuff. So I wanted to start off today by reading some of the one-on-one room one-on-one passages and then asking you why you chose to name your company room one-on-one. Cause I don't know if it's a question I asked you before, or if it's just one that I've forgotten over the years, but I thought it was a, a good place to kind of start this uh, new interview. So, so be it. So this is towards the end of the book. Like I said, lots of stuff happened. I'm not going to spoil the book for those who are like me who haven't read it, but, uh, so it says, what is room 101? The expression on O'Brien's face did not change. He answered dryly. You know what is in room 101, Winston. Everyone knows what's in room 101. And then you turn a couple pages later and it picks up again and it says, uh, you asked me once, said O'Brien, what was in room 101? I told you that you knew the answer already. Everyone knows it. The thing that is in room 101 is the worst thing in the world. So that being said, why did you choose to name your company Room 101? Well, I was going to make a slide joke <laughs> and connect the comment about the worst thing in the world to the cigar business, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> it's not the worst thing in the world, and it's not even a valid joke. So I feel like it would have been a miss. But somehow I still told the joke but didn't tell it through exactly. conversational tactic. The short and curlies of this situation is this, Antoine. I didn't name the brand Room 101 because your greatest fears are the worst thing in the world is in Room 101 and it's all scary and oogly googly like Halloween every day. Not like that. I named it Room 101 because I am a champion for the freedom of the human spirit, the spirit uh, that fuels creativity, independent thought, independent action, right? 
-hmm. and the freedom to express, right? And these are all things um, that they're trying to, to stamp out in this story, right? And so being a champion um, for the freedom of the human spirit, I felt like uh, this was an appropriate name. And, and a tongue-in-cheek reference, obviously, to George Orwell's work and, and a lot of the themes, like I said, that lie within um, his work overall, as well as that body of work. Yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting book. Like I said, I'm talking because I just read it. So it was a very interesting book. And it was fun because I got the Room 101 reference all of a sudden. I was like, light bulb moment. I was like, duh. And then, you know, I've seen TV shows that have done like little riffs on, uh, you know, riffs on this whole thing, too. And there's another comment. Little riffs on this whole thing about, you know, the scene in the book where the guy's like, how many lights do you see? And he's like, I see four lights or whatever. And no, it's really five lights. And it's like, no, it's this many lights. And so it's a whole big, you know, interesting kind of uh, exploration of what is real, you know, who set, who determines what's real, all this weird stuff. So I just thought that was really interesting. I, I kept, when I was highlighting a book, I, I highlighted the room 101 parts just because I was like, that's a really interesting thing. Because in the cigar industry, I mean, you can't see all these different names of, of, you know, brands. And I think in the boutique area is where you get the most interesting names, you know, that aren't, you know, just named after a family, which is fine. But, you know, room 101 obviously has made a, a name for itself and your marketing and branding that you like to do is just uh, sets it apart. So I thought that was a really interesting kind of origin story for the, the whole brand, not just the cigar part, but all these different things that you uh, are doing. Well, thanks for noticing. You know, it's important to have what you're doing rooted in authenticity, right? Mm -hmm. And and not and not and preferably not someone else's authenticity, but your own. And at the time that I was trying to consolidate what I was building into a cohesive body of work, I had to give this being or this organic entity a name. And at the time, I felt that that was the uh the most pertinent label or moniker i could give to the body of work and you know my idea was that not that it would be so overtly thinky right but that it would uh if people cared to delve a little deeper it would challenge them to think right and mm -hmm. uh you know my next uh brand or body of work will be called mogadishu foam party uh, and it will be uh, the contrast between uh, foam parties in uh, third world hostile environments and bottle service, uh, basically, or yeah. bottle service, ordering bottle service in a war torn area. I, I don't know. I'm putting it together. I'll put it together. Uh, don't worry. I'll do this before the end and we'll collaborate. Um, you can do the press and uh, exclusive feature on the launch party that we all may never come back from, but we'll all chew that root that those cats chew on over there. Uh, I believe it's called cot. Cot? Your, uh, Do we know? Can anyone confirm? 
I think it's called Shadow Army asked, ask Mr. Boofy if the answer is bigger than Chinchella yet. You will know what I mean. You know it's not. And you know <laughs> that I find the Chinchilla repulsive, unless it's made into fashioned into gloves or a nice uh, shawl, and that's very fine and supple. But as a creature, I find it repulsive. And I feel, as I have said before, that it is the Pontiac Aztec of the animal kingdom. And by the way, Brian, uh, you say you, you miss Mogadishu. So is the root cot, the, the, the root they chew on, the kids with the AKs, they get all hopped up on cot, right? Isn't it cot? Because I'll tell you what, I could use some of that <laughs> to power through. <sighs> I'm about to say, that's point. a good... What have you been up to lately? Because I know, like, last year, you made the comment during our our live thing on Instagram last year that, you know, you were kind of enjoying not uh, having to travel as much and doing these live things from, from home or from your office. Hmm. Is that – how are you feeling now? Do you miss getting back out there? Are you getting back out there or not? Are you – trying to find like a hybrid between 2019 and <laughs> 2020 basically. Well, now look, I, w I will say this and I want to, I want to add some color to this. God, see, fucking, I knew it was cut. See, cut. Okay. Brian, have you chewed the cut? That's the next question. I want to know how amped up that shit gets you, man. Cause I drink a lot of coffee and, uh, Anyways, so my point, Antoine, is I want to add some color uh, to what you were saying. One, yes, I enjoyed it. But two, not only did I enjoy it uh, for a myriad of personal reasons, right, um, to actually stop moving for once, uh, you know, I think for the longest period of time since, I don't know, 95, really, in my life, my life's path. But also I enjoyed the uh, being afforded the mandatory reset to explore um to explore uh, new and effective pathways to pilot our business and to continue to remain responsible uh to the to the continued generation of momentum and energy surrounding our brand efforts but also to remain responsible to the pull through of our products right and what a better way for me to communicate and, and touch touchy touch in the minds apartment in the back of many people's minds that I already occupy our end user consumer. Right. So uh, I thought it was overall a tremendously healthy exercise. And yes, uh, I do miss seeing some people, but I'm, I'm getting a little maniacally active here through the end of the year. There are going to be some very, very key uh, product launches um, that I will be personally in market to support uh, with our key retail partners, as is appropriate. And and uh, yeah, I think I think that there. I don't know if you want to call it hybridization in terms of model, because I think, quite frankly, the way that I built Room One Hundred One in two thousand nine is not is not the most effective model today, based on what we have access to and how we have access to our consumers. Um, and I'm, and, and in the same breath, I'll say nothing will ever replace the human handshake. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it's also everyone's responsibility to go back to what I was saying about authenticity, 
to find a way that they can authentically pilot their brand effort in this space and quite frankly in every in any space really um and continue uh to continue to fuel it properly and effectively right so yes i enjoyed it um and maniacally it helped us find a way to a, a much more and far more effective way to continue to push forward with our our uh our brand efforts not to sound too serious because we went from chewing a root for psychoactive effects to then that so i just want to temper all the professional nonsense that's spewing out of my mouth with um suggestive uh you know tales of i mean it's organic it is drug use though but it's organic it's not chemical chemical lab created hmm? right like mm -hmm. the food you would eat would be less natural than cot as an example and just can to, someone to mail me some cot <laughs> just to, to comment on the, the comment that's on the screen now um I thought the virtual stuff was uh, definitely interesting. Um, I felt like more. Yeah. I felt like more um, brands were starting to <laughs> were starting to tell their stories in completely different ways. Because for me, on the media side of the industry, I see a lot of uh, press releases, and yet I feel press releases don't really tell that much of a story. It's usually just rapper binder filler and you know that's it and then there's a quote from you know the principal of the company and we are so excited to offer this fine product line extension in yes. the truest <laughs> tradition of our traditionalism and to work with you know okay right and the press sorry. Gets, gets plastered all What's over all over facebook for like an hour um and then by you know that next hour or the next day is is old news and the whole industry's like moved on so you know i'm kind of bored with the whole press release bit um but so i kind of like the virtual thing because uh if it's done right then you get more of a story you get to learn about the people behind the the scenes and the principles of the company and even the marketing people yeah. and different you know the cigar rollers you get you know, we could be doing a virtual thing from with somebody in Nicaragua, you know, and lots of people don't don't get to see that part of the industry. Um, so I like well, that part of the virtual. Yeah. No, man. Look, it's priceless. And look, man, it's never been more critical for you to be able. Well, I mean, unless you suck and then that's your problem because you're out here kind of naked, right? Like mm -hmm. I think it's critical that people understand with whom they're spending their money. Okay. I think that it's very important that they understand who they're supporting, what they stand for. And uh, this is your opportunity to, to shine. You can, you know, we've, we've become so spoiled as the quality of premium cigars that are flowing into this country has never ceased to, uh, con to, to continue to be better year over year. I mean, mm -hmm. we are literally spoiled, spoiled little smokers. To understand what a good cigar was in 1995, not saying there weren't good cigars, and I'm not saying that, please don't, don't misinterpret or misquote me, but 
it is, I thought in 2009, it had never been a better time to be a premium cigar smoker. And, and that at that time was valid. But now, now is a hundredfold. There's so many phenomenal cigars coming into, uh, and I mean, some not so great, but, but a tremendous amount of great cigars. So if you have phenomenal cigars from a, a myriad of manufacturers, it's very important for you to understand from whom you're purchasing. Mm -hmm. Right. I think because why support a dickhead? I'm not saying they're dickheads in our business, but like you would want to vet, I think, with whom you spend your money. You know, and uh, actually on the media side, because I've seen a difference when people know the actual story behind a brand. It's like something might go off in their head and they say, oh, I never thought to try, you know, that brand or I've heard of it. But hearing the person talk about their brand and seeing their interact and answer questions. Now it's like, you know, I want to go out and actually try that brand. So I -hmm. think there's some value in that. Can I show off for a second? Mm -hmm. I would like to show off for a second. Go. So when, when COVID hit and the lockdown came, right. I contacted uh, my dear friend, Mike, S that owns Cigar Hustler. Do you, do we know Mike S? Right. Mm-hmm. Very long last name. This is a very strange spelling, but I love him. And I don't hold it against him. Um, I, I don't want to do the name in injustice actually. So I just say S, but I called Mike S and I said, you must immediately rally your top tier customers and your closest customers. And we have to have them gather for a digital event and create a selling evolution, not just, uh, you know, let's hang out and jerk each other's chain for a half hour. Let us make this invitation by invitation and make it a selling evolution. And because this is going to be the way that we have to pilot our businesses together as, as partners, me to him, uh, a manufacturer and him, uh, a wholesale client of mine, and a reseller, right? And I would like to just urinate all over the territory of being first for a second, if I may. We were the first people to conduct a virtual event in this industry, period. Fight me, show me who did it before. No one did because I know they didn't because we like did it the week the shit hit, right? Mm -hmm. Because we was on it. And the interesting, so this was a very interesting experience because that event, like, what was I saying? You're and talking about me. how you were the first to do a virtual event with That's my. That's right. That is right. The first. And you set the industry. You set the industry trend afterwards because now you see that that well, sort of became popular. Well, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, right? And this was the direction that it was going to. It, I mean, people would have been sitting on their hands uh, if if that wasn't the direction they took, but being a a smaller craft company and being a little bit more nimble um than some of the bigger dogs in the sea right i'm mm-hmm. a little i'm a little destroyer moving around you're like an aircraft carrier you got to take you got to get 20 people's permission and then take a week to turn around it's crazy must be nice to be so big <laughs> so anyways my point is that because 
you know, the small craft companies effectively are the special forces of the, the branded component of the cigar business. We are swift, silent, and can adapt and pivot at a moment's notice. Um, and, and that's, you know, that was the direction we took. Interestingly enough, we have also in real time in this exercise collectively have all grown far more accustomed to this type of interaction because that that event i realized i was actually physically tired after the event because everyone was just watching me <laughs> like i'm gonna watch the dancing cigar monkey for an hour and i'm not going to interact now people are interacting because you know they were used to the standard fare the events but you being physically you know there to poke and feel and sniff and lick and all these other things that occur not anymore coronavirus but then very much licking and other interaction at, at events but this is this was part of the the connectivity right and so we've watched people become more accustomed uh to engaging digitally right so now those people that were virgin virtual event attendees are now seasoned veterans of the virtual game you know and i'm sure that they're uh not only the way they engage uh, recreationally here uh for events but just in general man i think that uh, everyone has been honing uh a different skill set as a byproduct of this thing right yeah and but i would say that a lot of the companies that were really focusing on the virtual stuff last year, as things have opened up, they've completely gone back to like 2019 standards. So now it's like virtual so events. They're like, oh, virtual events, like nobody wants to do virtual events anymore. And like, we're gonna all just do in-person, in-store events, which I think is fine, but it's so localized that what I thought the lesson of 2020 was, is like, you know, not everybody can make it out to a store not everybody lives near tobacco um like retailer or cigar lounge um and a virtual events kind of open it up to everybody i mean it was so great to be able to go for example yeah. you know to have an event and even though we all hate zoom um and we all are just like tired of zoom but to see like 20 faces on a screen and mm -hmm. to hear somebody talking about their brand or this their new release um and have that be like a standard I was hoping that it would kind of stick around and then all of a sudden it, like I said, in the, I would say in around April or Mayish of this year, when things kind of opened up, it was like, we're going to abandon the, the virtual uh, events now. And we're just solely going to focus on, like I said, in-person events. Well, one of the many, many things that I love about our culture and our community is it is rooted in tradition right mm -hmm. and the the secondary edge that double-edged sword is that in many cases we are champions for antiquity and i think that somewhere in the middle there is the most effective way to continue to touch your consumer that's all i gotta say but then again i pilot my business authentically to me and everyone else uh can do whatever they're going to do that's their business i just think that you can't you can't argue you know if you have 20 30 faces up on the screen 
I saw that splurt emoji too, bunny boy. I saw that. Don't think I didn't see that. <laughs> I think that, you know, one of, and, and I, and I mentioned before we came on live, like I'm horrible at the one thing that I am less than great at when it comes to these things is I don't really have a list of talking points, you know, and there, there's always a, a list of things that are very important to speak about. And, you know, if they come up naturally in the conversation, so be it. If they don't, they don't get covered. And that's, you know, my shortfall, I guess, in some regard. But then again, I wouldn't be, you know, I'd be like, hey, we haven't talked about this yet. But, you know, like it just wouldn't be a, a natural uh, interaction, right? A natural volley of conversation between us. And when I can sit there and stare at 30 different faces, the one thing that I would do is I would ask people where they were from because I want to know how wide a swath I was cutting in terms of my engagement. And I'm seeing a group of people that if I traveled for a fucking year, I would never have seen all of them. Mm -hmm. And that's a fact because even if, and, and a lot of them, I know I, I've been in this business 13 years. I've been on the road often on 13 years. So, I mean, you meet people, you know, pockets of people, the crews that come into the cigar shops, where they're from, what, you know, you, you get to know everybody, right? right? And, you know, you would miss them. Like you'd come into town one time and they'd be, you know, at, at the spa getting their anus bleached or whatever it is that they do other than <laughs> go to cigar events, right? Which, by the way, that's going to be at my next, we're going we're gonna to bleach somebody's anus at one of my events. Why? Well, that would definitely be a, a must-see, uh, <laughs> depending on who oh, it I is, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So you, you let's talk, saying, right? Yeah, I want to make sure we, we talk about all the different parts of Room 101 because I know that people don't so, always get all of the different, you're in so many different categories um, that, like I said, I don't know if everybody knows every category you're in. So hmm. um, I wanted to start off with what, you know, the company started off is with the jewelry part. And you were mentioning mm -hmm. before we got started about Nordstrom and the mm -hmm. big news there. So kind of tell, tell us about what that news is and how it impacts that part of your business. Well, you know, Nordstrom uh, was uh, one of our strongest retail partners uh, on that side of our business. And in the more commercialized collections that we offer, not, not really the made to order uh, product that we offer, but, but our more, uh, like I said, commercialized collections. And uh, they, were, they were a trusted retail partner for about five years. We took a little break and now we're back online with them with an opening uh, assortment, I think is very strong. Um, some you know, alternative material stuff and black tie, uh, as well as some sterling silver and, and even some, some designs that we had not yet uh, released, right? So they actually had first crack at some, some designs. And, uh, you know, that will ultimately uh, fold back into doors and, uh, and you know, uh, Room 101 continues to grow, right? So it's going to be, it's just, uh, I think it's a fantastic validation for our brand as a whole. Um, and, uh, and, and they're one of the best. I mean, they're, uh, they're the act to follow in that world. So very proud to have our products placed with them again. And when you're creating those pieces, like, what's your creative process like? Like, do you come up with, like, where do you get your idea? And then how do you take your idea from kind of concept to an actual product that's sold? 
So first I have someone FedEx express me some cut. Then I, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wish I wasn't though. It seems exciting, right? Um, no, man, I think, I think it's important. You know, after you've done anything for some time, hopefully you have a handle on, um, you know, I've made, th I mean, a thousand designs over the years, right? But mm -hmm. I know how to tailor a collection and I had to keep, uh, you know, I had to, I had to make sure that we came with stunners, right? Like everyone had to be a hit single, uh, for this placement. So, uh, I dialed the collection very tightly, uh, focus on everything from, from design aesthetic to scaling proportion, um, you know, engineering, uh, in terms of the way you know, that affects fit and feel, right? So there's a lot that goes into it. If, you know, if you're actually thinking about it, that is. And I mean, obviously, so you, your studio's in LA, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. I'll and be there Thursday working on a very exciting, almost to be daylit, cast sculptural artwork piece. Wow. <laughs> so I've been working on it for almost a year, this piece. Yeah, how long does it typically take you to work on these different pieces like this? I mean, is it like a, I mean, do you what? ever like start working on it? Like for me, when I, in a rare occasion that I paint, um, I just have to be in the mood to paint and I'm usually am not, and I might pick over something, um, you know, for a day or a couple of hours and it might take me months to come up with an idea. So what's your process like? It totally depends. It totally depends. One time out of spite, I created a small capsule collection uh, in an afternoon. But it was to prove that a certain style direction in fashion accessory jewelry was rudimentary and very easy to create, right? And I was kind of showing uh, a retailer friend of mine, so, right? That was a collection fueled by malicious energy. That's not how I normally <laughs> like to do it. But I had to, I had to show him. I had to tell him. I had already told him. Then I had to show him, right? So, mm -hmm. um, but it depends, man. I mean, I have, I have collections that are groups of items that, that stretch on, you know, over the course of years where one piece at a time, you know, uh, I finish one thing and just kind of add it to the flock. Um, other things are... You know, like this piece that I've been working on over a year, it was a new, it, it was, in, it, it incorporates the use of some uh, technology and process that I had not used before, right? Mm -hmm. And it had to be nothing less than 150% correct. So uh, finally, after about a year and a lot of uh, uh, failed casting attempts, really, uh, because it was a very different animal for us, we got it right so so i'm going to go over that um probably i'll probably do it on instagram live but we're going to do some you know we're going to document the whole thing document the process um uh, so we can walk people through with a small little you know uh video right mm -hmm. uh, and uh you know it's going to be cool so so really to answer your question it could be uh, you know, a, a very brief stitch in time, and it could just be something that's kind of episodical and ongoing, you know. If 
I have something I have to deliver for specifically, you know, like a lot of times I'll be tasked with making a custom piece for someone or a signature item for some, uh, an individual or their company, you know, you know, you, you also have to get the job done too. Right. So, um, but you could spend, you know, you could spend five hours on something. You could spend 50 hours on something. On, on, the, on the creative development, on the initial uh, source material or core item. Now, switching gears a little bit about your creative process. So you started off making these custom pieces and then you got into other things. Most people know about the cigar stuff, but one thing I don't see that's talked about a lot is how you got into the spirits world with your room 101 gym, which is like what I have right here. Mm -hmm. so, a fine effervescent and medicinal <laughs> elixir. <laughs> so how did you get into this? Like how, where did this product kind of come from and what was that? So I, like? I have a dear friend named Steve from the New York area who was initially in the alcohol business, right? In the spirit space. And, you know, uh, I, I had been interested in making um, a craft spirit as a component of our brand since day one. And for years, I was convinced that gin was uh, the spirit that was, in my opinion, the most on brand and appropriately timed. So we basically get together and conspire that we're going to leverage his experience in that space and my experience in the brand space and level of established uh pre-existingly so already for the one-on-one -on -one brand specifically in the vice category i would say mm -hmm. and uh you know i think that you know look room 101 has always been and initially to this day has been inspired by alfred dunhill the alfred dunhill of 1950 right of the 50s this is uh a a comprehensive lifestyle collection comprised of, of the finest offerings and appointments that one's little heart could desire. And, and I got to tell you, Antoine, between us girls here, people don't add alcohol or tobacco for that matter to their brand lineup. Cause it's fucking hard, man. Well, this yeah, it ain't easy. It's <laughs> their industries that are riddled with regulatory bog down. Right. And, 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 and and regulation in many ways especially in the spirit space that's that's designed to keep a uh, small business out in my opinion from what i've experienced now that's my opinion like with the spirits you have to have shots here like you have to have a distributor opinion. right like you can't just oh, sell it yeah. directly yourself yeah you like, do so this is the game this is the game in the united states of america it's called the three-tier system exactly three -tier system forbids you from being more uh, being more than one link in this three link chain manufacturer distributor and reseller right which means me the brand owner manufacturer the distributor which is state by state by the way uh, they are the gatekeepers for every uh, manufacturer in this country and everyone attempting to do business in this space in this country you are disallowed from selling your product directly to uh, resellers of your product, right? You have to, I mean, you know, resellers, and I'm, by reseller, I mean retailers, uh, liquor stores, bars, restaurants, et cetera, et cetera, right? So the distributor, it's mandatory that you deal with them. So imagine how they treat you. 
right? It's like mm -hmm. uh, when they make car insurance mandatory. Well, you have to have it, so have a nice weekend. So it's it's an uphill battle, you know. Uh, but uh, I think that there's never been a better time uh, for the craft sector of the spirits business in general because I think that more and more people are wanting to emancipate from that system, right? And they're finding new and inventive ways of getting their products in the hands of people like, uh, you know, uh, uh, internet retailers like Caskers, uh, Wine Liquor Depot. These guys, uh, through their process, they're uh, uh, high time in Costa Mesa, shout out, right? Um, they're, they're able to service uh, in upwards of 23, 25, uh, and some, in some cases, 30 states by direct to your door. So, so there are, you know, wherever the entrepreneurial spirit um, is alive and well, they will always find a way, right? So that's all. And where is your gin available? Like what states? Oh, I thank you for asking. Uh -huh. So it's available <laughs> in the phenomenal state of Hawaii, Shaka and shout out to all my brothers and sisters in the islands. It's available in uh, my home state of California. Okay. It's available in Nevada. It's available in Arizona. It is available because of the, the tireless efforts of a one Philip Michael Siegel uh, is available uh, as a special order item in the state of North Carolina and poured proudly at Havana Phil's. Mm -hmm. And uh, what a fine environment to consume our products, by the way. You will be nothing yes. short of enchanted to consume our products in Havana Phil's very fine cigar bar. In fact, to call it a cigar bar is an insult to how it's like a destination, I call it. It's a destination. Like, it's it like a, a little oasis of pleasure. It is a mecca of pleasure. Mm -hmm. So, Recently, uh, we were able to open uh, distribution in the state of Texas. And the most recent addition uh, to our lineup and to our reach to our consumers is the state of Florida, uh, which we will actually be in market uh, there in December uh, with our brothers and sisters at Smoke In to celebrate um, this expansion and to pour a tremendous amount of this liquid into uh, people's faces well that was definitely not like forceful they want it you know they do <laughs> i'm sorry i get so passionate about our products but yeah no so but it you know step by step methodically we continue to gain strength and momentum uh with that product uh it's offered um not in all the states within which we deal but in several uh, in total wine. Um, there's some select whole foods that carry it. Uh, there is a beautiful upscale, uh, supermarket chain in Southern California named Bristol farms, uh, that carries the product. Uh, there is, uh, we are proud, uh, proud, proud, proud to have our product placed at select Nobu, uh, locations. And, uh, like I said, high time and, and, uh, uh, so, so many others. And I know, I know I'm forgetting some and, and I apologize. Maybe, maybe Steve can chime in little comments if he needs to to pipe up with you know some other things high low liquor in long beach right oh mission liquor 
I've really enjoyed um, the expansion into uh, ooh, Port at Fine Ash in Phoenix um, and Fox Cigar Bar. I've really enjoyed uh, entering that space on the coattail of our, our establishment in the premium tobacco segment because I feel that we, in certain instances, I mean, uh, in other spaces, it's business as usual, and that's fine. But I think we're afforded um, uh, a subtly better treatment from our pre-existing partners in the premium tobacco segment, and and their uh, they their support that they've afforded us has has uh, allowed us to gain a foothold in that space. So uh, we're grateful, you know. And that makes a good segue into, of course, what most people who watch this will probably be familiar with, but you know the whole cigar world. Now, you have a, a big release that I've seen you promote a lot on Instagram in the last, uh, you know, couple weeks. The return of Johnny Tobacco Knot. Jonathan P. Tobacco Knot, to be precise, yes. And Namakubi. So talk about these two releases. I would love to. So these two, I mean, we over the years, I've come up with, uh, we've had, I mean, a laundry list of of pretty cool, interesting product releases and, you know, that they've, they've rung a bell or two is the way that they're, they're stylized and, and, and dressed. Um, Johnny Tobacconaut was something that people, I think at first, uh, didn't understand the way that they understand their wanton bloodlust for that product now. Uh, That's fine. It takes you guys some t- a little time to catch up sometimes. That's fine. I'm here for you. I will stay the course with you if you stay with me. So Johnny Tobacco will be reborn this year for holiday and uh, will be channeled exclusively through our partners at Luxury Cigar Club. And this is a little uh, experiment on my part uh, because we have several, several very, very near and dear friends um, in this space. What? You know what, Brian? It should be. I, I I think that that's appropriate. And thank you, thank you. So, um, uh, but these 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 retail partners that we have, some of them they become as close as family, and they become vested in our growth and success, and and us reciprocally so in theirs, right? So, uh, I decided that it might be an interesting exercise to funnel such a special product through such a special retail partner now it's going to be available wholesale to retail no one's going to miss out you know all of our all of our uh retail partners um are going to have access to the product and be able to proudly present it on their shelves at a competitive price so no no love lost there right Mm -hmm. supposedly and uh It's going to be for holidays, so it's going to be far out, man. It's going to be intergalactic. And what was the other release you mentioned? Mm. Namakubi. Uh-huh. So Namakubi. Namakubi is a sub-brand from our collection. It's very near and dear to my heart because uh, although it was my third release in market in 2011, it was honestly probably our first good cigar. And... With that said, it was 
the first product of ours, the first collection that really hit. And at the time I had been traveling aggressively, trying to meet everybody um, and, and establish myself in the business going on three years at that point that was going into the third year. And uh, I think that we finally had a product that stood up to the caliber of relationships that I'd been building in market. And uh, the rest uh, was history to continue to be in the making apparently. But um, uh, Namakubi is something that Room 101 fans, I think, remember uh, and have been interested, uh, you know, to see be reborn. Uh, and so Namakubi will be our annual uh, limited holiday release, a super premium, wow. very, very uh, provocatively dressed product of the utmost quality. And I think that um, I don't know. I think people are going to dig it. When they're gone, they're gone. This isn't something that's going to be available all year round. This is something that we're going to release similar to our anniversary series once a year. And when they're gone, they're gone. That's it. And just touch on your shadow army. Cause I don't touch I feel it. like that's a, a underground uh, thing that you have to be a, a real room one one follower and fan and aficionado to really understand or get. What about it? <laughs> what is it? Well, we, are you are you want to talk about the shadow one? Yes. You want you want to converse about the activities in the shadows and one? Yes. All right, so be it. So, uh, Shadow One uh, is uh, the chieftain and captain of the Room One Hundred One Shadow Army. And he slash she, whoever they may be, um, pilots this clandestine effort in brand promotion and infection uh, through the vehicle, which is Al Gore's Internet, specifically Instagram. And the idea was that, you know, we have a, a troop and a tribe, uh, a family rather, of uh, brand loyalists that had no place to gather right and, and and be as one and so uh it was uh, proposed to me that we should potentially offer them something like that and so i said yeah fuck it why not it's cool sounds good and it's turned into a tremendous amount of fun i mean we've mailed shadow boxes around the country where these um soldiers pass this box from from soldier to soldier and remove items and put items in and um you know we haven't we haven't really uh fully explored i think the truest potential of the shadow army yet uh, but it's definitely full of um uh a bunch of of very cool cats and kittens that that i think uh appreciate the room 101 way of life whatever that means and uh probably share a similar uh, threat of insanity uh, to some of our, our team. And uh, it's just fun, man. I think everybody, you know, if you're interested, you should list shadowarmy.co because all the kids have a .co these days. That's the cool, right? I mean, you mm -hmm. can validate that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's shadowarmy.co and you can enlist. And uh, what we do is we create exclusive product releases um, that we offer to that group and that group alone. Uh, that are all made to order 
and collectible in nature. So uh, your your current shadow drop should be shipping out this week. Awesome. Sorry for the delay, but we had a dryer <laughs> at our screen printer breakdown. Oh. Kind of well makes it impossible to print T-shirts. But we fixed that, and uh, they'll be shipping this week. So thanks for your patience, and uh, more to come. Awesome. Now, when I interviewed you for, you know, all the other things that I work with, you had made this comment during that. I think we it was like a two day interview session. I think you and I had. And yes. you, you made this comment about the industry. Like, so I guess as a follow up to that, now that there's been a lot of time between that interview and this interview. Like, are you still in love with the industry? Because you describe it in a very interesting way, like, you know, as like this kind of long relationship that, I don't know. I don't want to say you weren't in love with the industry, but you just said it kind of changed and evolved a little bit from what it was when you first got into the industry. I mean, I, I would I would agree with that. It definitely, um, it has definitely changed. It's definitely evolved. Uh, of course, I do love this business. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't love it, you know. Um, and in many cases, uh, you know, I'm doing it in spite of my love for it, right? Because I think that it's very important, um, you know, if you really want to try to monetize um, your passion in some way, that, you know, you should hope continue to love what it is that you do, right? It's not, it's not, it's not that if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. That's horseshit. If you do what you love to make a living, you should hope to be able to continue to love what it is that you do. Because business can many in many ways make the waters murky, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have to stay on target and and stay focused. And uh, you know you have to take uh, you have to take everything as it comes, right? And accept it for what it is. It's like a relationship. Being in this business is like being in a uh, a seriously semi-unhinged romantic evolution with another person, right? And you have to love in a relationship. Shout out to the barrel burners, my kinfolk. Uh, you have to, you know, you have to not only love who you're with, but you have to love that individual as they grow and they evolve, right? You're married to somebody for 20 years you're probably not married to the same person exactly. I mean, you are in many ways, and then you're also uh, committed to the person that they've evolved into as they are you. And I feel the same way about this business. I think it's interesting how, because when we were doing the interview for that magazine piece, you were talking about how, you know, the boutique industry was just kind of growing at that point. It was like you mm -hmm. and Pete Johnson mm -hmm. and you, um, just a whole bunch of other kind of pioneers, I would say, of the boutique era. And back then, I know when I first got into the industry, it was 2010. And, you know, tobacconists were, uh, you know, uh, I thought the, the, the standard that I saw in the magazines and the media was that, you know, it's like this 80-20 rule. Like we're going to have 80% big brands, whatever big brands were, and then 20% maybe lesser known brands. And now you ask a retailer that, and it, to me, and maybe this is just like a pandemic thing, but I think it shifted like to what they de determined to be boutique versus what they be determined to be big. And I see a lot more retailers saying, "I want 
you know, what, you know, I want the boutique stuff now. I don't want so much of the big, big stuff. The big, big stuff might be the 20% of the humidor because, uh, you know, a cigar smoker might come in and all of a sudden they might want that one brand that they're really familiar with, um, but they want boutique. So mm. have you seen that shift yourself? I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it flow back and forth, right? I've seen uh, the floodgates open and everyone run towards uh, what they uh, perceive to be craft or boutique. And I've seen, I've seen that sway uh, back again to larger houses when, you know, you know, when, um, you know, look, man, this is a very difficult business to remain active in and to continue to grow. And I think that uh, it's a far more expensive business to be involved in than I think people first uh, people first think or from or or you know on the surface level, right? But you're you know to be able to maintain a, a level of consistent service to your retailers is is uh, more difficult every year, you know, um, to supply them consistently with product and and not only consistently supply them with product, but consistently supply them with consistent product. And, uh, you know, so I think, I think that that pendulum continues to swing back and forth, you know, uh, someday we'll rest maybe in, in what will become the new middle. Right. And do you think Is that a fanciful way of answering your question by saying nothing? <laughs> <laughs> it's by dancing around the, the issue, but I think, but so. it's true, but that's true. Right. That's honest. But at the same time, I think from what you're saying, though, like, for example, like the industry trade show, like, do we need everybody there at that show? Because that's what the humidor looks like. Well, I mean, I think everyone should support. Uh, well, I mean, I no, everyone has to do what they're going to do. It's not my place to say what anyone should do. What I do is I support the industry trade show because I want to be present and, and active um, and come together with, with other members of our community. I also support them because I know they lobby for our rights, you know, uh, and I support that. So, um, I don't know that the humidor looks, um, the way the trade show floor looks. I don't, I think everyone's house is a little different. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, some favoring the big box guys and, you know, some favoring only craft brands, you know, I mean, those are two extremes. One retailer wants an endless supply of embroidered golf bags dropped off at their store every Friday, you know, while the other wants to hope, uh, you know, that they're actually going to get their order. Right. <laughs> and I anywhere mean, in between. Right. You know, because getting the order, I know in the last episode of Deep Cuts, we were talking all about the supply chain issues. It's like a non sexy topic, but it's a topic that I think if you hear the murmurs behind the scenes of the industry, it's like the number one, I think beyond taxes is like supply chain issues and getting product in and getting, having that consistency. Like if they are out of a certain product, a lot of the retailers don't want to necessarily have to wait, <laughs> you know, this, this big question mark amount of time to get that product in. Well, look, man, I mean, your product to a retailer is ammunition. They, they can't fight without ammo. You know, they can't make, uh, you know, they can't make a living 
without your products, you know, on their shelves. Mm -hmm. So looking ahead, because obviously it's like November 9th. So it's yeah. almost the, the end of the year. Looking ahead to 2022, what can people expect from Room 101? Well, I think people need to uh, prepare for anything. It's a free-for-all now. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Many plates spinning, many new products and projects in various stages of development. So much excitement. It's like the cup runneth over with excitement, filled to the rim with brim or something. Hmm? So there's actually, I think the shorter list would be what should they not expect? Well, that's always good to hear, especially from they, a brand like Room 101. They should not expect to not see us. They should not expect for us to lay down and they should, they should not expect anything less than peak performance at all times across all categories. I think as we wrap up for today, I'm going to take a cue from your background and ask my random question of the day. It's like, what's one thing that Matt Booth wants for Christmas? You know, I've always wanted a pony. <laughs> so I feel like fancy ladies get ponies for, for presents, you know, and I want to be a fancy lady. So you want a pony, a pony for Christmas? That small one, though. A small, like a Shetland, like a, a toy pony that we can paint and put outfits on. Is Grayson still into Star Wars? Of course. <laughs> do, you, do you already have a, a, a list of things from him that he wants this year? You know, the, the, li the list of toy, uh, toy asks is, is short this year. He's been on a little bit of a toy restriction, you know. Oh. So, but we're going to try to make it worth his while for Christmas, you know. Is he into uh, video games yet? He is. He is. Does he have a, He's does into, he have a Switch? Well, you know, I, I bought for the house one of the throwback uh, little Nintendo deals, right? Uh -huh. And have, have shown him the ways of Super Mario Brothers and things of this nature. Um, he's far more into the games that are on the phone now. Oh, okay. Minecraft and, and things like that. He likes to play those things. Oh, wow. Well, that's probably better than trying to go out and find a Switch or all these Nintendo games that are like $60 each. So, mm -hmm. save you a little bit of money. I, I mean, in theory. <laughs> Well, what, how can people follow you? How can they keep up with the Room 101 brand? Give us the plug for everything so that people can uh, follow up and uh, continue to learn more about you and Room 101 and what you have to offer. So here's the deal. The funnel goes as such. Go on the Instagram. Follow me personally. Okay. It's Boofy Baby. I am the nucleus for everything that it is that we do connected to room 101 brand. If you want to see our made to order jewelry products, 
connected to Room 101 Cigars. If you want to see our craft, fine premium craft tobacco products, uh, connected to Room 101 Gin. Uh, if you want to see uh, our fine botanical uh, liquids that we offer now proudly in several states across the country. And, uh, and of course, the Shadow Army. Because, uh, you know, there are always antics afoot through the Shadow Army. Room 101 Shadow Army. That well, I want to thank you for coming on today. I know you're such a busy person and on the go. And I'm glad we got a chance to connect and talk about the different parts of Room 101. Because I haven't talked to you much about the gin stuff. And uh, I know we got a little bit of that jewelry story on that story that we worked on together. So, mm -hmm. um, so maybe you should... To, for to promote the room 101 gin you should come up with like a little cocktail uh booklet of different room 101 drinks because i know you could probably come up with some pretty creative names for uh some drinks uh it might you be know, a, <laughs> i just might it, it, will, it will be a fun project and maybe something you could give out at the trade show um that kind of gives you like a, a nice from now until the summer to, to work on this there this, we go. This project. Just gives me, you know, gives me <laughs> another project. You don't have enough to work on. Gives me something to do. It's great. I, exactly. I you don't have enough to work on as it is. So I think I think we need a cocktail, room one on one cocktail, and then throw in your, you know, promote it. Maybe I'm giving you like a, a million dollar idea here. So you can come up with a cocktail book, and then you pair each cocktail with a different room one on one cigar. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. 100%. Mm -hmm. I dig it. I love the idea. I'm on it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on today. And I look forward to our next encounter. Hopefully that might be offline <laughs> eventually. I, I haven't traveled any this year. So 2022, maybe I'll get back to um, traveling. So we'll, I might it's be out. Time. Time. Uh, yeah, I might be out in the wild at some point. So it'll be interesting to be out of this bubble and uh, see people in person. Yeah, man. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, man, always, I appreciate the time. I, you know, I know you can have anybody on your show and I appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> That's not actually true. You'd be surprised when people are like, no, or the emails mysteriously get, get lost in translation. Oh, I was thinking man. about that earlier today. Cause I knew for some reason, I'm just Ooh. like, picture that you were going to like bring up that, that kind of comment. And there's, there's definitely some people in the industry that are like, you know, that mysteriously, I get, I get the, uh, I get ghosted. So, uh, <laughs> well, you know, look, so man, I always appreciate like I you coming on. <laughs> yeah, no, look, it's my, it's my pleasure, man. It's, it's, uh, it's mutual, man. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, thank you. And like I said, hopefully, uh, for those of you who are watching, um, we do regular deep cut shows. We have one coming up next week. Um, hopefully we'll get on a regular schedule sometime soon, but you can go to deepcutslive.com for to see all the past shows, including the very first episode, which was, I always say that you were the first kind of pancake. So I knew I wanted to do it over. So there thank you, you for coming on and letting me do it, do that uh, interview over. But uh, hopefully we'll, Hopefully this will continue to evolve and we'll have some interesting people on here. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to whatever our next conversation is. My man. Likewise. I'll see you soon. 
Yes, thank you. You take care. You too.